The NBA never sleeps. Kawhi Leonard is on the Raptors. Marcus Smart is re-signed. We'll hear from the local experts on the biggest stories on those two. Plus, the scout joins us to go through the offseason moves. It's all on today's edition of Locked on NBA. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, I'm David Locke, host of Locked On NBA, host of Locked On Jazz, founder of Locked On Podcast Network. Here's the plan for today's show. First segment, we're going to give you a breakdown from the Raptors' perspective and the Celtics' perspective of the two biggest stories. Sean Woodley will give us a rundown on the acquisition of Kawhi Leonard and John Corrales, the signing of Marcus Smart. Then... An NBA scout joins us to talk about the moves of the offseason and what he's seen so far. It's all coming up. Let's start, though, with Sean Woodley in Toronto. Hey, what's up? It's Sean Woodley, the host of Locked on Raptors. And holy crap, the Raptors have traded for Kawhi Leonard, uh, a deal that sends DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a first-round pick protected in 2019, uh, 1 through 20, to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And this is obviously very big. The Raptors are making an enormous gamble with this move. Uh, the Raptors have been sort of fancying themselves a real relevant franchise for the last few seasons after being absolutely irrelevant for 20 plus years. And this is them taking a bet with Masai Ujiri leading the charge that they are going to be able to keep Kawhi Leonard beyond next season. And even if they don't, there are reasons why this works out for the Raptors as well. Um, but the, overall, this is a bet by the Raptors that they can keep Kawhi Leonard around and convince him that this is the place that he wants to be for his next contract, even though he has said all along that he wants to go to L.A. Uh, with when he becomes a free agent at the end of 2019. So we'll see about that, but the Raptors are betting big here. Uh, this is a big deal for the Raptors because you know they're moving on from DeMar DeRozan, who is a franchise cornerstone. I have vouched that he he should have his jersey retired and have a statue built tomorrow. He is, uh, you know, I know people kind of around the league view him maybe with, you know, not the most high praise or whatever, but DeMar DeRozan is a legend in Toronto. He's a self-made all-star who went from being just like a pretty much a slasher and a dunker into being a fully well-rounded offensive player who, you know, he had his flaws, of course, and his flaws are eventually, I think, what led to him being dealt because his flaws are essentially what were the downfall of the Raptors in the playoffs the last few seasons, you know, against the Cavs this year when they got swept for the second time in a row against them. He was benched in Game 3 down the stretch as the Raptors made a big comeback. He got ejected from Game 4, and that's kind of sad that his last moment with the Raptors is either a a benching in in Game 3 or an ejection in the Game 4 after playing so poorly because... He's an all-time Raptor. He will have his number retired, and I can't imagine a bigger ovation than the one he will get when he returns to Toronto with the Spurs next season. But overall, this is a great deal for the Raptors. It's a big gamble, of course, but it does a couple things. First of all, they give up Jakob Pertl, who is not OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam. That is a big deal. OG and Pascal, I think, are the two highest upside prospects on the team. And I was convinced that one of those guys was going to be heading to San Antonio in a Kawhi Leonard trade. That is not the case. They are both here for whatever happens after Kawhi Leonard's first season with the Raptors, whether or not he stays. You know, those guys are going to be here long term, and that is a big win for the Raptors. They're towing the line here a little bit with this bet. Uh, also, it kind of frees up some money going forward. If Kawhi ends up leaving and, and DeMar is no longer on the books, the Raptors 
Raptors are sitting there with a lot of flexibility, a ton of open money where they can take on contracts, attach the assets to sort of recoup some of what they've given up in order to get Kawhi and over the last couple of seasons as they've, as they've been in kind of win-now mode. And they can pivot quickly to a rebuild. They can move off Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, who will be expiring contracts at the end of this season, and they can sort of re- reset a little bit. A rebuild that was probably coming anyway, in theory, this move might expedite that a little bit and maybe make it a, a one year from now they do a rebuild instead of two or three. And it kind of gives the Raptors a very easy pivot point to get out of this era and into something new. And I think that's good. I think that's a nice thing to have as opposed to sort of hanging on too long and doing the thing that, say, the Hawks have done or maybe the, the Grizzlies are about to do where they don't quite accept that they have to rebuild and they kind of let it drag out and they don't get max value for their guys. The Raptors have a clear pivot point. And if it doesn't work this, this year with Kawhi Leonard and he moves on, the Raptors can easily go into some sort of new era where they're building around OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, uh, and, and these guys who were really good this season, maybe not star players or franchise cornerstones in the future, but they're nice players to have, and then that'll be the next era of the Raptors. But considering where they're at, considering sort of how they got a little bit stale with the fan base the last few seasons, considering just all of the, the pressures on Masai Ujiri to make a big move to try to get a superstar on this team, this is not a team that's going to sign a free agent superstar. This is a team that has to trade for one, and you know, considering their assets, considering that they would have been outgunned for a regular superstar by teams like Boston and Philly, it makes sense that the Raptors did this trade to get a guy who, in Kawhi Leonard, who is a top five player, an MVP candidate when he's healthy and playing, uh, to get him on the team. You know, this is the best way for the Raptors to go about this. And if they can keep him beyond this year, it is an absolute grand slam of a deal for the Raptors. I have a lot more on this deal, all the different ramifications of it uh, on Lockdown Raptors. So please check it out on the iTunes feed. And uh, thank you for listening. Thanks very much, Sean. Does this make the Raptors the favorite in the East? The Celtics probably don't think so. John Corrales, though, talks about their big move of the day. John Corrales here from Locked On Celtics. Marcus Smart has agreed to a four-year deal, $52 million to return to the Boston Celtics. Might seem like a little bit more than the market dictated, but it was about what Boston offered in an extension prior to the season. So this is about where they valued him. It's less than Marcus Smart wanted, so it's a good deal for all sides. Basically, for Marcus Smart, once Atlanta did the Jeremy Lin deal, Chicago did the Parker deal, and Sacramento clearly was not into overpaying for him to lure him away as a restricted free agent, things started to point to a return. The question was, would it be a qualifying offer signing or some sort of longer term deal? And once the Kawhi Leonard deal was done with Toronto and there wasn't any sort of potential trade between Boston and San Antonio, this deal got done quickly. For Marcus Smart, he is a unique player with unique value to the Boston Celtics. He can guard one through five for them. We've seen him switch onto fives and hold his ground when they try to post him up. So the Celtics value him in their highly switchable defense. He is a key player in their defensive scheme. So I know Marcus Smart is excited to be back in Boston. The Celtics, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, have said they wanted him back. They are excited to have him back. But this is also, a key point here, a tradable contract for the Boston Celtics. They didn't have on their books a deal in that 12 to $13 million range that they could use in a superstar-type trade to match salaries. So having Marcus Smart at that number over the next four years gives them that one player who has value that teams may want and has a good tradable contract that they could throw in with maybe some of their younger players and picks 
to facilitate a bigger deal. So there is, on a team-building perspective, a, a value to Danny Ainge to giving Marcus Smart that kind of money. So even if you think it might be an overpay, there is significant value to the Celtics front office to have that kind of contract on the books. It's also interesting to see how they will structure this contract. There has been some buzz about them giving him a front-loaded contract that descends in value over time because they will need to avoid the repeater tax. They have not been a taxpayer until this upcoming season, most likely. So they will probably try to structure this contract weirdly so they can avoid the tax in one of the upcoming two or three years to push off a potential repeater tax for as long as they possibly can. For Marcus Smart, though, four years to return to Boston is a good thing, and the Celtics are running it back. They are going to basically bring back everybody except for a couple of guys around the fringes, which is essentially what Danny Ainge said he would do. So Marcus Smart returns four years, $52 million. Celtics set to go for the upcoming season. Those are the two biggest stories of the day, the local experts on the biggest stories. You can always get that on the Locked On Podcast Network. Next, the scout joins us, hired by an NBA team to give us a breakdown of what he's seen. He just does it anonymously here on Locked On NBA. Well, scout, thank you very much for taking the time. Let's start with Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors, DeMar DeRozan to the Spurs. What was your thoughts on that? Um, Initially, I was... uh... A little surprised. Uh, I, I knew the Spurs would not trade him to the Lakers or anywhere else in the West. <clears throat> but I, I didn't see Toronto happening. I thought maybe Boston would make something happen. But a uh, little surprised about the Toronto situation. And if he's not going to sign an extension now, I mean, what's why do it if you're Toronto? That's that's my biggest question and concern because there's still a chance that I mean he ends up in the West next uh, after next season. Let me play devil's advocate. They signed Lowry Abaka for a three year run. Lowry turns thirty three at the end of this year, so it's really probably they've only got one or two more years left in this thing. And I'm I'm not sure that Lowry, DeRozan, and Abaka get them anywhere. How much further can well, you go with Lowry Leonard and Valanchunas Sabaka? Well, that that they, they definitely become better, and 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 I, I do agree that I, I felt like Toronto had to do something because they're not they weren't going to go any further uh, with the current with well the old cast with DeRozan, but. Um, Still, you just don't know what Kawhi's going to do after next season. Um, so, I mean, it's a gamble all the way around, but it's definitely worth it. <laughs> I, I kind of, I, I like it in the sense that. Let me back up two years, and maybe I read this wrong. But when they signed Lowry to three years, Ibaka to three years, they had Valanciunas and they had DeRozan. I thought that that Toronto decided that was their run anyway, and really. Deciding that a six-foot-tall point guard in Lowry post-33 is going to be able to carry you seems unlikely to me, and I feel like they gave him the third year because that's what they had to do to keep him. And so I'm not even sure that I think that they shrunk their window. I think their window was one more year anyway, and they just got better in the window. That, that makes sense. It does make sense. Uh, they're, they're, they're better with Kawhi. And, you know, it's funny, we, we're talking about this. I heard somebody say this morning that 
uh, Kawhi's stock has gone down and he's not as good. Uh, he, or we don't know if he'll be as good, but I, I think he'll be as good or better. So I don't think his stock has gone down at all. If Kawhi is the Kawhi of two years ago, how good is Toronto? And how good is Kawhi? Well, I mean, I still think Kawhi's, even now I still think Kawhi's top three in the league. Uh, and I think that he makes Toronto uh, Eastern Conference contender uh, uh, up there with Boston. Yeah, it's a battle because Boston's really good. But he makes Toronto that much better. Is there any, like he and Lowry, that's enough, isn't it? Like that's enough offensively. I believe so. I believe so, especially in the East. I believe that that is enough. Good. And then with with you know with their role players, I mean Van uh, Van Bleet, uh playing very well, and and the guys they have coming off the bench, um, Valentunas every now and then playing well. So you know, I think they're good enough. And OG with OG and Anobi and Kawhi. I don't know if they'll finally play Serge as a center, and I still don't really know what – I mean, Serge Ibaka is an anomaly in himself. It's pretty solid. You know, I, I, I guess he becomes your backup center now without Pirtle, which he probably should have been your whole time, but I, I'm not sure, you know. I, I'm, I'm lost. He's, his, his birth certificate or his NBA birth certificate says he's 30, and he's playing like he's 38. So I'm not sure what I, exactly. what I, where exactly. I am on Serge. Uh, where does this put the Spurs – so the Spurs now have just a ton of money tied up in Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, and DeMar DeRozan. Where does this put them? I mean, I still think they, they're pretty much where they were last year. Uh, they're battling to, to get in the playoffs. Uh, uh, they, 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 are, they are going down. It's almost like they have to just start all the way over. Uh, because they don't have a good enough roster to compete in the West. And clearly, Not. Pop has enough clout, deservedly so. They don't seem to want to do that. No, they don't. And, and I understand. But at some point, you almost have to. Um, they, they didn't get a whole lot better. Uh, and especially with everybody being better in the West now. The crazy thing is the Spurs were the innovator in some ways on the jump shooting league with all the threes. You know, we've got Houston taking over 50% of their shots as threes, Golden State, Cleveland, all the teams are winning are do, you know. And here they have got LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. These two guys are their primary shot takers and they are mid-range marvels. Is it's hard to win that way now. It is hard to win that way and 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 they probably won't win that way because like you said, those two, that's where they get all their points and their shots in the mid range. And I mean, they don't have a three point shooting. I mean, Danny Green's gone now. Uh, I mean, where are they going to get outside shooting from? Give me, there's an interesting note on DeRozan that the Raptors have been a better team with him on the bench than he with him on the floor in four of the last five years, maybe five of the last six from a scout's perspective. Why would that be that the Raptors are better when DeMar DeRozan was off the floor? Well, number one, he's a, he's a volume scorer and shooter. Number two, he's, 
he's not a great defender and um and he and he's not a very good three-point shooter um and so the floor opens up more when he's not on the floor so it gives other guys opportunities to 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 get to the basket and and play their game and and the floor space so they can draw and kick a little bit more whereas with him there are going to be a lot of isos He's an NBA scout hired by an NBA team giving us insight anonymously about what's going on in the league. That's the breakdown of Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors, DeMar DeRozan, and the Spurs. We'll look around the rest of the league when we continue. All right, scout, let's go to the Lakers. Got to go there. All LeBron right. James, how good a team is that? <laughs> Magic Johnson said today he's not worried about the Warriors. He, I think he, should, he might not be able to worry about them because I'm not sure he can stay in contact with them. Um, what, what's your thoughts on, on how good a Laker team this is? Well, I, I believe the Lakers are, are, will definitely be better, obviously, uh, because LeBron makes everybody better. But every team in the league is still chasing Golden State, no matter what Magic says. And it's the right thing to say. You know, it sells tickets. It gets everybody hyped that, that, that lives in la-la land, L.A. land, if you will. But uh, they're still chasing Golden State and Houston, possibly Utah and Oklahoma City. You're still behind them because they didn't do enough. Uh, I don't believe they did enough to, to contend with those teams. Now, if LeBron pulls a rabbit out of his hat and, 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 and puts them in the 3-4 spot, then you know what? I tip my hat to the Lakers and LeBron, but I just don't see that happening. It doesn't seem to me that this was a basketball move by LeBron. Like I, I don't, and I don't have a problem with it, but I, I but I do feel as though last looking in retrospect at LeBron's season, where he plays basically forty eight minutes per playoff game and does all these other things, it jumps out to me that he was trying to prove his point of where his legacy was last year, and part of me wonders if that's the like I don't I don't want to say the end of it, but that these are LeBron's Washington years of to, to Michael Jordan's Washington years. Is that unfair? I, no, I, I I can see that. I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, he he gave his all last year. He gave everything he could give to to elevate the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he and he came up short. He just couldn't do it. And I think he's coming to the end. And, and, and he's a smart enough guy to know that. I mean, because he, he has to know he can't win there in L.A. And un, unless he made the move thinking that maybe they were going to get Kawhi. But still, I, I don't know if it was actually a basketball move. We, we know he's into a, uh, producing films and television shows and, and stuff like that. He's into the 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 life style of LA and he has homes in LA uh and if the rumor is true about his oldest son being enrolled in school there then that's really what it's all about all those things instead of just basketball and all more power to him and I think the interesting one by the way on LeBron I think he'll be able to handle it but I think the really interesting one is he's going to have a fascinating dinner invitation every night he's home L.A.'s got that many people, and I wonder how his focus will be on that. What's your thoughts on DeMarcus Cousins to the Warriors? My first thought was shocking. 
I was shocked. Um, I, but they're not losing anything. Um, they can win with him or without him. Uh, he won't be fully healthy until probably January. So, and, and they know that they can reel him in when he gets out of control or they can just say, bye-bye, we don't need you. So, I mean, good for them. They got it done. I mean, because anyone else would do it too if they were in the Warriors' shoes. So a lot of people don't like it. But, hey, if you were in their shoes, you try to get better any way you can and keep stomping on people if you could too. So I'm not mad at him. I was really surprised by the move. Uh, but he, he figures, well, no one else wanted me. I may as well join them and win the championship at the same time. I'm going to give a different perspective on this, and I'm the, I think I'm the only one on this one. First is, they're so much better than everyone else. It doesn't, like, particularly with Ariza and leaving and, and some of the Houston losses, so, the, and, and, and Bob Mute. So they're, they're so much better than everyone else. To me, and I don't think it matters because they'll just cut him for 5.3 if he's a problem. Like, it's the one chance to screw him up. Like, if I'm sitting there watching the Warriors, there's... No one's building a team that can compete with them right now. Maybe this screws them up a little bit. And frankly, every time DeMarcus Cousins shoots, which he does a lot, it would be somebody. It's not Steph Curry. It's not Clay Thompson. It's not Kevin Durant. Like to me, that's a win. I I, I agree with you. I, now I did think about that the first time it happened when it first came out. I did think about that. I'm like, he could screw this whole situation up being himself. But I just feel like the first hint of him going out of his mind, they're just going to cut, cut him loose. And I think and, that and problem is solved. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think what you're really, what we're really talking about is that the, they had a opportunity loss. They could have used that five point, whatever million on somebody else to build up their depth more as Igudala gets older and some of their younger players aren't actually maybe as good as everyone thinks. So right. I, I, to me, that's a little bit, of what I, uh, the old, the, you know, I, Hey, and if it works, then they're great, but they were so great before. I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm not sure how much it, it totally matters. Um, the team that I thought, actually, how much do you think Trevor Reza and Luke Bamute leaving the Rockets matter? It matters big time, uh, because I, the Rockets will take a step back because they lose their best two perimeter defenders. And, and, uh, Ariza's not a bad shooter either. Uh, but I, they are definitely going to take a step back. And, and I don't know if most people realize how much of an impact those two guys had on that squad. And, um, if, if, if you think the Rockets are going to get better from it, you, you, you're very wrong. <laughs> Who is there other, are there teams out there that you think got better? I mean, obviously there's the, we just hit all the biggies. Other teams out there that you think got a great deal better? I, I don't think anyone else got a whole lot better. I, I just I don't see it. I mean, well, I mean the Mavericks will be a little bit better uh, because I mean they they acquired um, Doncic and Jordan, which will make them better, uh, better scoring wise, uh, from a dunkage standpoint and better defensively with, uh, DeAndre, uh, anchoring the defense. The one team moves I liked was new Orleans. 
I liked I liked New Orleans. I like I think Alfred Payton's better than Rajon Rondo. You might disagree, but he's younger, faster, and shoots even actually shoots better. Um, I thought getting rid of Demarcus Cousins so that they clear it all out and play Miritich at the fours be- makes them better. Uh, they get Solomon Hill back for a whole season makes them better. I, I liked uh, they made one other move. I'm trying to think of right now off the top of my head. I can't come up with it. I liked well, what New Orleans did. Randall. Yeah, Julius Randall. That's what it is. I liked. I like what New Orleans did. I thought New Orleans got better. Well, I, I don't know if they're better. I, I like acquiring Randall. I like a healthy Solomon Hill. I I I really believe Rondo made them go. I, I just do. I believe that he. And now I didn't think that the markets would go back, which is fine. They didn't. They didn't need him. He wasn't going to help them. But it's going to be hard for them to duplicate what they did last season without Rondo running the show. Oh, interesting. I'm not a Rondo guy, so we'll have to see. Two teams stood pat. Utah and Boston. Didn't add anything. Bring the whole group back. Let's go big picture for a second. What's your thought on bringing the whole group back? In a, in a world that lacks cohesion, what's the value of having a group that's been together? I think it's great. It's great for chemistry. It's, it's great for camaraderie. It's great from them going through the experience of, of getting over a hurdle or making, uh, taking one step up or taking another step toward a common goal. So bringing everybody back, it, it just only intensifies what they're trying to do. And, and it gives them a chance to, to be a lot better. Because they believe now, and they feel like they belong. Both teams, Utah and Boston, and Utah especially, they're so young and they're gifted. Uh, they have a great coach. They have a great system. Great young talent in, 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 in Donovan Mitchell. So I think they're only going to get better from it. And, and chemistry means a whole lot. And, and, and people that don't understand, especially young guys and young teams, young coaches, you don't understand chemistry uh, and how valuable it is to winning and, and winning and playing at a championship level, you're missing the boat. Well, interesting that the two coaches who held together are Brad Stevens and Quinn Snyder. They probably run the most intricate systems. They probably have the most, uh, if, they, if possible, they have the unique systems in the league. I, I don't know. I find it, Quinn particularly, I think, runs more stuff. Um, I, I think it's interesting that those are the two coaches that ha- teams came back looking very similar. I totally agree. Very young, smart, innovative coaches, and they they know what they're doing, and they have a goal, they have a plan, and I, I think it's great that they're the executives, the, the the decision makers, stood pat and just kept things as is because they're going to be better without making a lot of intricate, uh, crazy changes. Scout, you're terrific. I look forward to talking to you again soon. We'll get deep, we'll get into it deeper as the season gets closer. Enjoy your off season. Thanks very much for the time. Thank you for having me.